Hi, everybody. This is Helena Hart. Welcome back to my Master Your Magnetism podcast. I'm talking with Valerie Green again today. She's a dating and relationship coach who helps women, men, and couples attract, reignite, and sustain lasting love and intimacy. So welcome, Valerie. Thank you for joining me again today. Hi, Helena. I love our interviews, all of them. And I love this topic because it is really near and dear to my heart because I, too, have my own issues of anxiety and dating and relationships that I have overcome for the most part. And that's why I love to teach other women, mostly women, but also men, of course, how if you're feeling anxious when you're dating, how do you trust your intuition? How do you even know what your intuition is? And that's such a wonderful topic because I have my own history of overcoming that. And so I can really relate. Absolutely. I think we can all relate to feeling anxious sometimes in dating and relationships, especially. And the idea for this topic actually came up during a live podcast episode I did a month or so ago. We had a caller who actually suggested this topic, which is how to trust yourself and your intuition in dating and relationships when you have anxious attachment style, for example, or when you do tend to feel nervous or insecure around someone you have strong feelings for. We've all been there. And so I'm I'm just so excited to talk about this today. I actually did a post over in the community tab on my YouTube channel asking if this would be helpful. And I got quite a few responses from people who said this would be an extremely helpful topic. So if you're listening to this today, hopefully this will clarify things for you and help you out. So what's the first thing you want to say about how to trust yourself if you're experiencing anxiety and dating and relationships? Yeah. So first of all, what I want to say is that anxiety and dating and relationships is normal. Everybody mm -hmm. feels anxious sometimes in dating and relationships. I remember that when my husband and I were first falling in love, and we do both have vestiges of an insecure attachment style from our childhoods, which is why I'm passionate about doing this work is because, you know, I'm on my own healing journey. And I'm just several steps ahead of my clients. I'm not fully healed yet, right? What does that even mean? It's layers <laughs> of an onion. So I still have to use all these tools that I teach myself. And what I'll say is, that when I use them, then my relationship is so good that I pinch myself because of how much passion and harmony and love and excitement and joy and gratitude and that I feel like I'm so supported by my husband and so swept off my feet that I feel joyful. But if I don't use my own tools and I just act out of my anxiety without listening to my own intuition, which is what I used to do, then we're arguing and it feels horrible. So all I wanna say is I have to use all these tools myself and when I do, it goes wonderful. When I don't, it doesn't go so wonderful. So I'm very familiar with this dynamic myself. And so the first thing that I wanna say besides that it's normal is let's talk about what it looks like when it comes up, right? So mm -hmm. like when I was first dating my husband, we actually were both talking about this. Like when we first started to think, oh my God, I really like this person. I don't actually want to lose them. Then we feel anxious, right? That we could mess it up and that they're not going to like us back. And I want to say that's normal. If you have an insecure attachment style, then the anxiety can take you over and cause you to reach out to him as to, you know, are you losing feelings for me? Like what's going on? Why didn't you call back? Right. Or we can act out of the anxiety to get it off our chest. And what I want to say is that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy if we act out of it. So we just want to make sure not to act out of it, but then we get tripped up. Because what I do want to say is if, if we feel anxious, then we're not going to feel our intuition. And I'll explain why in a minute. But, you know, first I want to talk about what it looks like if we mm -hmm. are anxious. 
So that might mean like, oh my God, why didn't he call back? Maybe he's losing interest. And then we can't stop ruminating on the story of like, maybe he's dating someone else or why hasn't he called back or maybe something happened to him. And then therefore when he does call, we're gonna act out of the anxiety and be like, what happened? Why didn't you call? Right, and then that anxiety is gonna push him away. Or it could look like that we feel that we're not being treated how we deserve and actually getting angry at him. But if we act out of the anger before processing through it, anger is fear-based. It's that I'm scared that if I don't let him know how bad I feel, he's not gonna change. And unfortunately, if we're expressing our anger or jealousy or frustration or anxiety or any of the feelings that are actually based in fear, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and it pushes him away because, you know, we can all kind of tune into ourselves and how does it feel when we're dating a guy and let's say we get busy with something and we call five minutes late and if he's like, well, why are you calling late? Like, obviously I'm exaggerating because, you know, we wouldn't probably do it like that, but it's a needy energy and that's a red flag and then we'd be less attracted. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we've probably experienced that from both sides. And it might be helpful since you mentioned insecure attachment styles, if you wanted to briefly go over what those are. I know a lot of people are very knowledgeable about that in my community. And for some that might be the first time they're hearing about this. Yeah, exactly. Just in a nutshell, there are four attachment styles. And what an attachment style is, is just the way that you relate to emotions and conflict in an intimate relationship. So if we were raised by parents who had a secure attachment style, then we probably do ourselves. And that means that we find it easy to be close to people. We don't really feel that anxious, but when we do, because people who have secure attachment still feel anxious, mm-hmm. they know how to self-soothe and they know how to challenge their limiting beliefs. And therefore they give themselves compassion when they feel anxious. And therefore they are able to express their feelings and needs in a collaborative way where they don't make the person wrong. They don't tell them what to do. They're just like, hey, I just felt a little scared there. And I'm curious to find out what happened. Do you want to, you know, talk to me about it so I feel better? And they're not acting out of the anxiety. They know how to self-soothe and they know how to communicate with the other person in a way that draws them closer. Because it's just a skill set, in my opinion. Secure attachment is a skill set of knowing how to process through your feelings. And if your parents helped you process through your feelings when you were little, because they had secure attachment, then you have that skill set. But if when you had feelings when you were little of not being close to your parents, and you either yelled and screamed, which is legitimate when you like look at how a three-year-old acts when they're left alone in the supermarket and they lose their parents. <laughs> oh my Absolutely. god, that's so funny. Yes. You just your cat like I'm just, just demonstrated it. <laughs> that's exactly what they do. He always comes to join us for our interviews. It never fails. Wouldn't be a podcast interview without Leo in the background. I was yeah. just gonna say. Yeah, absolutely. I love your explanation of that. I know we've done so many interviews on my podcast and over on my YouTube channel on how to heal your anxious attachment style. We did one on a powerful exercise that will help you before you reach out to someone. And we also did one on how to inspire your partner to meet your needs if they have an avoidant attachment style. So those would be great episodes to check out if anyone's interested in going deeper on some of those. Yes. And I know those are on your YouTube. Absolutely. And so when I look at having a secure attachment style, so the other three are anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant or ambivalent. They're all versions of insecure. They all are fear-based. It's just, if you have an anxious attachment style, 
it's usually because your parents were available sometimes, but you didn't know when. It was intermittent reinforcement, as they talk about in the addiction world. So that means that you're always feeling like, well, I have to protest. You know, you're not consciously thinking protest, but like, what does the three-year-old do at the supermarket? They cry, they yell, they scream, they act out, they try to get anyone's attention so that they'll get what they need. Or they can hide out in the corner and pretend like they don't need anything anyway and just wait. That's the avoidant. So it just depends on many factors, whether you dealt with feeling disconnected from your parents when you were little, if you dealt with it by getting louder and that worked sometimes, then you might have an anxious attachment style. If you dealt with it by withdrawing, then you might have an avoidant attachment style because it's the same behaviors that we do as adults that we did when we were little, just because we haven't been taught anything different. And so what I look at it as healing insecure attachment is a skill set about how to self-soothe and how to learn to translate our judgments into feelings and needs and then translate our judgments of ourselves into feelings and needs and of the other person into what might they have been feeling and needing, which is why they did that. And then challenging our stories and limiting beliefs and then healing from the past. And once we do all that, then we can access our intuition. So of course, I'm going to talk about how to do that in the interview. But first, I can talk about what is intuition and why can't we access this when we have anxiety, because fear blocks our intuition. And so it makes total sense that when we're feeling anxious, we can't access our intuition in that moment, because we can either be feeling fear or love, but both aren't accessible in the same moment. And so we have to self-soothe in order to get to the love so that we can feel our intuition. Got it. That makes so much sense. And we've all been there, especially when we're feeling anxious, we start overthinking a situation, we go right up into our heads and we're cut off from this amazing intuition, this superpower that we all have, especially as women, I think. My audience here on my podcast is mostly women. So the language we use often reflects that, but I'm sure this could apply to both men and women, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. And most of my clients are women too, which is why I teach mostly to women. But I always do have a couple of men in my practice and a couple of couples. But Mm. yes, I do find that this applies to all genders. In fact, my husband also has an anxious attachment style, which is really wonderful when we argue. (laughs) (laughs) Because both of us have really unskillful behaviors when we argue. But that's why I have to use all my own tools, right? Because then when I do know how to self-soothe, then I can access my own intuition for how to inspire him, which is how I inspired him to marry me in the first place, which is what my book, The Commitment Roadmap is about. Because when we first met, he didn't want to get married. And so all of the inner work that I teach is how I inspired him as well. Love it. Yeah, I'll include a link in the show notes for your Commitment Roadmap ebook, which is so amazing, full of knowledge, so inexpensive. And also, I know you have a new free gift that we'll talk about at the end as well. But all the links to where you can connect with Valerie and get her free gift and book and all of that will be in the show notes. So it sounds like what you're saying is when you're experiencing anxiety or fear, you have to self-soothe in order to get to the intuition. Is that Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about what is intuition. And I look at intuition as kind of like what feels right and peaceful and good, what's in the highest good for us. And I only know that when I feel that I'm connected to a space of wholeness, that's actually what the root word of healing means. Gabor Mate talks a lot about this. He's the medical doctor that speaks about how to return to your own wholeness, to your own sense of, I feel whole and complete I've integrated all of my warring and conflicting parts inside of myself. And the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. 
And I feel that sense of self-love and self-compassion. And therefore, I can tell what feels right for me. And I can give an example of that for myself because I know it's sort of hard to feel because that's opposed to feeling what I want, right? Sometimes we think we have an intuition, but we feel anxious. My point is we can't tell what is right for us when we feel anxious. You know, we can all do an experiment now of just feeling when was the last time you felt anxious? I'm still overcoming my own anxious attachment and I am in a really deep healing process currently myself, healing from having hypermobile joints, which requires me to feel all of the tension in my body. And that brings up all of the implicit memory from when I was one, two, and three years old, and I'm healing it using a modality I know called Hakomi. So the last time I was anxious was probably only a couple days ago. So I was feeling anxious that my husband were going away this weekend. And I have a really busy week and he told me that he would find an Airbnb for us to stay in on our trip and he'd do all the research and find it. So I was feeling anxious that, you know, that would happen too quickly. He'd only like find one thing and maybe he'd book something that wouldn't work for me. And then I wouldn't get my needs met, you know, cause I didn't have time to check in with him throughout the process. And I knew that he just had to do it. And so if I didn't self-soothe and I just acted out of the anxiety, I feel really tight in my body when I think about it, when I think about what I'm scared of, like, oh my God, he's gonna choose an Airbnb that doesn't work for me. It's not gonna have air conditioning or it's gonna be too loud or something. I feel really tight in my body. Like my shoulders feel tight, my neck feels tight, my hips feel tight. And if I was to act out of that anxiety, then I would say something that would push him away. I wouldn't feel my intuition, all I feel is fear. And I wouldn't know whether I can trust him or not because I don't feel my intuition because I feel tight. And I can't feel that peace and that sense of rightness with what's really in my highest good when I feel tight in my body. So what I need to do is I need to self-soothe and self-soothing has three components, which I'll go into in a bit. It's challenging the story, getting to aligning my thoughts with the truth. That's the first step or the one component, because I don't think any one of these three components is more important than the other. It depends on how we're wired, whether we're more in our head, whether we're more in our body or whether we're just ruminating about the story. You know, it depends on where we're at. So one component is challenging the story, aligning our thoughts with the truth. The next component and just being able to feel the emotions as sensation in my body and emotions are energy in motion, letting the energy move through me. What does it need to do to be released in a harmonious way so that I can feel peaceful inside? That's number two. Number three is what do I need on an emotional level? And in this case, it's clarity and it's safety. I need clarity that the place has everything I need so I feel safe. If I can find ways of reassuring myself that those needs are met no matter what, then that's the third component of self-soothing. And so if I was to ask him about it from anxiety, oh my God, I don't know, are you gonna book it? I don't know if you're gonna make a mistake, right? Then he's gonna be defensive and will argue. Mm, and then I'll yes. never get my needs met, right? So first I need to self-soothe. And so there are, different times when I'll do each one of these three components. So I'll walk you through how I would do it. And then of course we can talk about how it applies to dating. But in terms of the story that I'm telling myself, what's the story I'm telling myself that's making me anxious? It's that maybe he'll not remember what's important to me, 
you know, because there was another time in the past when he didn't ask what was important to me and he booked something that didn't work for me. And then we got into an argument about it. So that's what I'm scared of happening again. Oh, okay. So what's actually true? Only believe what a video camera would see if they recorded it. What's actually true is he hasn't done anything yet. And I don't know. Right. And so, okay, that's what's actually true. What do I need to do to know that he has the information he needs? Oh, I just need to make sure he has it. Well, last time I told him he has it. Great. So I can't like give him a lecture because then he'd feel patronized. All right. So how can I make sure? Right. Because then I'm going to step three. What I need is that clarity. And I need to know that all my needs are taken care of. Okay. So let me write down what's important to me. It needs to have air conditioning. It needs to be quiet. It needs to um, have checkout afternoon. Great. All right. Those are everything that's important to me. I need to make sure that he remembers. All right, great. And so now I can feel the feeling in my body. So if I feel the feeling in my body, I can feel the tightness. And then I can just do some somatic experiencing with myself and really allow, okay, so if I believe that these needs are met and if I believe that if he has the information that he needs to have so that my needs will be met, how am I going to feel? What does this anxiety need to move through me? And I breathe and I probably need to like do some jumping jacks. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I need to do. Like when I'm in flight mode, I actually need to do cardio because I need to imagine that I'm running. My body needs to like complete that running, you know, to get that anxiety out of my system. So usually I would jump on my rebounder for five minutes and just go release the charge of my needs not having gotten met in the past and actually move the anxiety through me and shake my body and maybe make noise like, ah, and then I'm like, okay, now I know what I want. So step four of my self-empathy process is the hardest part. That's why it's in my free gift. My free gift that I'm giving away today is my free ebook, Break Free of Old Patterns to Attract Lasting Love. So that's the one I'm giving at the end. In that, I have my self-empathy process, which is my self-soothing process. It has five steps and step four is where you shift your vibe from lack to abundance, which is critically important here because if I'm gonna access my intuition, I need to shift my vibe. So that's when after I've moved the energy, energy through me of like the fear, for me, that's jumping on my rebounder and making noise, but whatever you would need to do. Some people hit pillows, some people shake, some people um, roll around. You know, you have to be not scared of looking silly. So this is best done on your own or with people that are doing it with you. In fact, Mama Gina, who some of you might have heard, she has a practice where women get together and move energy through them. She calls it swamping, where you all act sad together and you cry and then you all act angry together and you scream and you all act scared together and you shake and you just lay these done to music and you release your feelings together. And various people have practices like that. And that is important. I mean, that's what Peter Levine teaches. He's the founder of somatic experiencing because I integrate all of the somatic healing modalities in, in my work. He says that when animals get scared, they shake it off. Like, look at what happens when a dog is playing with another dog and they fight and one of them gets scared and runs away. What do they do after they run away? They shake. They shake it off. Mm-hmm. 
I love what you're saying here. And what's unique about it is rather than fighting against the feeling, like if you're mm -hmm. feeling anxious or fearful, rather than trying to stay calm and breathe and talk yourself out of it or be more reasonable than that, you actually go towards it. You work with the feeling and you get that anxiety out of your body by actually working with it rather than fighting against it, which I think is great. I love that. Exactly. And what's critically important there is an attitude of mindfulness. And so a video that we have on your YouTube channel, the powerful exercise to heal dating and relationship anxiety, parentheses, do this before you reach out to him, that one. <laughs> yes, I'll include that in the show notes too. I loved that video. That was such a great exercise you shared. Yeah. So if you want to go deeper with turning towards the anxiety, I have a 15 minute meditation that you be with your inner child. And so you don't have to look at it that it's an inner child. But what the research shows is important here is that you disidentify from the feeling. And that's just mindfulness. It's who I think I am is the witness who is observing all of these thoughts and feelings inside of me. And then I'm relating to the thoughts and feelings like I would relate to a child. So if a child came to me and said she was anxious, I wouldn't say, don't feel that way, feel this way instead, which was what my parents did, which was why I still have anxiety, <laughs> then instead what a child actually needs is for you to pick her up and hold her and go, oh my God, where are you feeling that fear in your body? There's nothing you can be afraid of, but everybody feels fear. It's just thoughts and feelings. Where are you feeling that in your body? Let's move together. Let's shake. Let's make noise. How does the feeling want to be released? It's a collaboration and the fear needs to move out of you. And so you're acting like the loving parent towards the part of you who feels anxious and says, no, there's not a reason to, which is why there's three components to self-soothing because you're only able to say, no, there's not a reason to if you challenge the story, which is why in my self-empathy process, which is what I'm giving as the free gift, it's inside that ebook, there's five steps. Step one is about challenging the story. Steps two and three are about moving the energy through your body and identifying what you need. And then step four is the critical step where you shift your vibe. And what that means is this takes work, but it takes courage, but it's worth it. We've all heard that courage is something that you respond to fear. And it comes from the root word cœur in French, which means heart. And what it is, is, is opening your heart to feeling all of these sensations like an adult would to a little child and having the courage to, after you move the sensation through you, say, okay, what do I need? I need clarity about what I want. And I need to know that I'm going to be safe there, right? If I'm using that example, the courage is to visualize what I want and to feel the good feelings that I'll feel when I get it. And then to actually resource myself in those good feelings of when I get what I want, that's what I need in order to feel my intuition. And usually we don't do that. Because let's say I was to visualize my husband, you know, taking full care of me and booking an Airbnb that's perfect with all of my needs being taken care of. And then we have this amazing time on the trip. Let's say I feel like I don't deserve that. Let's say I feel guilty asking for it. Let's say I feel like maybe I'm not going to get it or maybe I can't trust him. And so it's actually safer to believe that it's not going to happen because if I get my hopes up and then it doesn't happen, I'll be more disappointed. So it's important to shift our vibe, to visualize how good it'll feel when I get it and all this detail, because that brings up more limiting beliefs for us to work through. 
And if we don't work through those limiting beliefs, then we'll never feel our intuition because those limiting beliefs, when we visualize what we want, those limiting beliefs prevent us from accessing our intuition if we feel like we don't deserve it. So great. I would love to talk about a dating example too. I know I hear from so many people who are in the earlier stages of dating or maybe not even the earlier stages, but they're at a point where they're feeling anxious. Let's say exactly. they haven't heard from a guy in a few days yep. and their fear or anxiety is telling them they're not interested. They did something wrong. They start replaying the last conversation or the last date. They start beating themselves up. Their intuition might be saying something different, but they can't access that. Would you be able to briefly take us through some of these steps if someone was in a dating scenario with somebody? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that's a perfect example. Like, let's say you're just dating someone and let's say you have a history of being ghosted. Mm-hmm. Right. Like men that you've dated in the past, they did take you out on dates and then they just didn't contact you after. I have no idea why. I have no idea what happened. So let's say you have a history of that. And so then, of course, because you have a history of that, then you just start dating someone, you develop feelings for him and then he doesn't get back to you. And so, of course, you're going to feel anxious that it's happening again. Right. That's, that's totally normal. And so there's two things that are important in this case. Number one is self-soothing so that we can access our intuition. But then that has the three components that I've just mentioned, which is challenging the story, feeling the feelings in your body and letting them run through you, and then determining what do I need emotionally and how can I get those emotional needs met now so that I'm resourced, so that I feel peaceful inside so that I can access my intuition. There's a fourth step if you have a history of something like being ghosted or being cheated on, and if that is your history, I just send you so much compassion because I know how hurtful that is. I'm not minimizing that. And what I wanna say is that it's also important to heal from our past relationship wounds because otherwise we'll project the past into the future. We'll be scared of the same thing happening in the past as in the future. And so in addition to the three steps of self-soothing, challenging the story involves healing the past. And so I'll talk a little bit about what that is before we even get to self-soothing. So when I work with people that have anxious attachment or any kind of insecure attachment and they're dating and they're not able to access their intuition and dating, we first of all look at how did you get hurt in the past and how did you heal from that? Because healing from hurt in the past is what's necessary to access your intuition in the present. And so when I help people heal in the past, there's two important questions to ask. There's what red flags did you miss in the past and how can you recognize those now? What would a guy show up with that would let you know that he has those qualities or that he doesn't? If a guy ghosts you, what types of wounds does he have that would cause him to do that? He's probably conflict avoidant. He doesn't know how to have difficult conversations. He can't stand up for himself. So that's what you need to vet for. And you have to know how to vet for that, but not out of fear, right? Which is why the second component is important, not just the first. Because if all you do is like, what red flags do I have to look out for? But you don't heal from the anxiety. I'm a coach, not a therapist. So I always say anxiety and dating or anxious attachment, not generalized anxiety disorder, because that's mm -hmm. you know what you would go to a therapist for. But if you are not anxious in the rest of your life, but it applies to dating, then it's probably something like anxious attachment. That's what we're talking about here. Then it's important to heal from the past. Right. The skill is proper vetting. And proper vetting 
involves the third step of self-soothing, which is, you know, the three steps of self-soothing that I'm talking about are challenging the story, letting the energy move through you, emotions or energy in motion. That's the second step. And the third step is identifying and meeting your emotional needs. So what that means is that we're learning the skills that we didn't have in the past. And the skill here is being able to visualize the relationship that you want to have. What would be the opposite of ghosting? That he would actually tell you what's working for him or not working for him. He would give you feedback so that you would understand where he's at. He would reveal his, himself to you, his thoughts and feelings, right? So what skills do you need to have in order to tell if a man can do that? Well, first of all, you need to be able to get so inspired with your vision of what's possible and share it with him and then see if he can do it back. Because in order to see if a man can be inspired and share his thoughts and feelings instead of ghost you, you have to share your vulnerable thoughts and feelings with him and see how he responds. Because if he responds empathically, that means he'd probably express himself empathically. So it's actually up to us to shift our vibe. And that's step four of self-empathy. So I'll go all the way back to how I would do that. And then I'll walk you through all the steps. There's the three steps of self-soothing. And then there's the step of feeling the past that I talked about. So when I talked about my example of asking my husband about the Airbnb, in order to be able to talk to him about it, I'd have to do step four of self-empathy, which is shifting my vibe from lack to abundance. So instead of telling him about that I'm scared that he's going to do it wrong, because that would lead to an argument, <laughs> I have to be able to shift my vibe and talk about how good it's going to feel when I get what I want and that I trust him to do it. So that's step four of self-empathy. So that's imagining that I have the need met and resourcing myself with how good it feels when I have the need met. So I would be imagining he knows exactly what I want. He's going to book the perfect Airbnb. It's going to be quiet and temperature controlled and I'm going to be able to sleep beautifully and has a very comfortable mattress for me to sleep on. He and I are going to have tons of fun and all the wonderful ways that we're going to play and nature together. And that's what I'm going to talk about with him. So I'm going to approach him after having shifted my vibe and self-soothing. And then I'm going to talk about how good I'm going to feel when he does it. And just, hey, I know you already know the things that I know. And the reason I'm telling you is just because you know me, I'm anxious, ha ha ha. Like, is it okay if I tell you for me, I'm humoring myself. I know you already know this, <laughs> right? And then mm -hmm. I'm just saying, here's what's important to me. And here's the wonderful vision that, you know, we're going to have when we have it. And I needed to tell you for me, I know you're already going to do that, but I've already shifted my vibe from lack to abundance and trust because I've challenged my beliefs. I've felt my feelings in my body and I've resourced myself with believing that I'm going to get the vision I want. And then when I share with him, we won't have an argument because he'll just think, oh, there's Valerie. She's oversharing because she's anxious. She's already told me she trusts me. Of course, I'm going to do it. He'll give me reassurance and then we'll have a great trip. So, I mean, that's what I've learned to do now. Like I said, when I do it, things go well. When I don't do it, we argue. So now, of course, I'll share how that applies to dating, right? Mm -hmm. So this example, but I wanted to finish my example first because yeah, love it. it also applies to when you're in a committed relationship. It's not just with dating, but the additional 
components of dating require the distinctions that we shared in that other video. I love that we've done so many interviews. I know. The <laughs> one about how to not give your heart away too quickly before the man has earned it. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I know in that one you talked about, I mean, there's a difference between I want this one person to do that versus sort of a vague faced, this is what I want the right person to do, or this is what I trust the right person to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this person in front of you who you've been on two or three dates with is going to be that person to take it all the way into a committed relationship. But yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'd love to hear all your thoughts on that. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, of course, yes, I can answer it in both ways. But let's take the first example where you've only been on two or three dates with someone, because I think that's very common. So first of all, if I was working with that person, we would do the healing from the past first. And then in terms of intuition, you know, how this all relates to intuition, I'll take you through the three steps of self-soothing and talk about how I would access my intuition with that one example. So let's say I'm going to go on a date with this man and I don't know if he's going to ghost me. And so I might be scared that he is because of something that's happened in my past. And let's say he hasn't confirmed the date. And so I'm getting worried. And what's my intuition telling me? I can't access my intuition if my body feels all this anxiety. I need to self-soothe first. So the first component of self-soothing is what story am I telling myself? And how do I align my thoughts with the truth? And that's what a video camera would see if they saw the situation. So the video camera would just see I'm feeling anxious and I'm making up a story in my head. What's the story I'm making up? All the video camera would see is that he said that he would meet you tomorrow at seven and it's today at six and the phone hasn't let you know a confirmation. Like that's the only thing that a video camera would see. And so you can't believe anything else because nothing else is technically true. But what story are you telling yourself and align your thoughts with the truth? So the story would be, oh, he might ghost me because other men have ghosted me in the past. And then your mind is going to find evidence that maybe he will. And then you're going to get anxious. So in my book, The Commitment Roadmap, I have a whole chapter on challenging our limiting beliefs. And usually most coaches, when they challenge limiting the beliefs, they just say, how do you want to feel? And what do you need to believe in order to feel that way? And what's evidence that that's true? And that's fine if you can do that and you feel better. But I find that with anxious attachment, we have to go deeper than that. We have to ask ourselves, kind of like we're a little kid and, you know, little kids are like, why? You know, you're like, the sky's blue. Well, why? Oh, well, because of certain, you know, gases in the atmosphere interacting with the sun and that's what happens to make it blue. Well, why? You know, <laughs> like they just keep on asking why. And so it's important to keep on asking ourselves, what am I making that mean about me? Mm -hmm. Until we really get the answer, because that's the most ouchy part of the limiting belief. It's like, oh, okay, he's going to ghost me and that's going to make me feel... Like, I don't matter. Oh, got it. That's the limiting belief that I don't matter. And so it's not just as simple as, well, how do I want to feel? I want to feel that, I'm that I matter. What's evidence that that's true? That's superficial because the question to ask ourselves is, when was the first time that I believed that I don't matter? And that was probably when we were like two or three. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to realize that the reason we feel that way, and it's not our parents' fault that they acted the way we acted by telling us there's no reason to feel scared. Stop feeling scared. You shouldn't feel that way, et cetera, et cetera. There's a good reason why they did that. It's not their fault because that was how their parents told them, right? It's, they yeah. did their best. It's not, so it's, you're not being angry at your parents. 
but it's recognizing that you had two choices in that moment. You could either listen to them, which is what you did and said, oh, I shouldn't be scared. I'm going to make myself wrong for being scared and tighten my body. So I stop feeling my intuition mm -hmm. in order to not feel scared because intuition is wholeness. And if we deny our feelings, we cut ourselves off from our wholeness, i.e. Our, our intuition. And I think Gabor Mate says it really, really well because I like listening to him for his sound bites lately because he basically says our authenticity is our connection to our gut feelings, i.e. our intuition. And we have two choices always. We can value attachment, which is believing our parents are doing it right because then we'll survive. Or we can believe our gut feelings, which is our parents are doing it wrong. They're actually incompetent. Which is going to help us survive? Right. If we think our parents are incompetent, that means we have no hope for surviving, basically, right? Exactly. And then our nervous system literally couldn't handle that. And we would die because children need to be soothed by their parents. They need to be said, oh, my God, it's just thoughts and feelings. Where do you feel that fear in your body? Let's move through it together. It's not true, but let's move it out of your body. Because that's what animals do when they're scared. They shake it off. But we're living in a culture where nobody knows that except somatic experiencing, you know, practitioners and or or somatic healers. And so our parents didn't know that. It's not that they did it wrong. They just didn't know that. And so because they didn't know that, they told us, don't feel scared. And so what did we do when we were feeling scared? We told ourselves, my gut feelings are wrong. I shouldn't feel scared. And so then we tighten our body in order to not feel it. And that's what blocks our intuition. And so what's important is the healing. And I do this with my clients experientially. There's many different experiential healing modalities that do this, but it can be as simple as just in my uh, book, The Commitment Roadmap, I have a journaling process in chapter seven, where you journal this process together. What was the truth in that moment? And the truth is that my parents told me, don't feel fear. And the truth is that I tighten my body to not feel fear. And the truth is that I should have had my parents help me move the fear through me, but they didn't know. So I can do that now is move the fear through me. And then I do that through shaking and through different experiential practices. If I feel angry, sometimes I hit pillows. If I feel scared, sometimes I shake. But while I'm doing that, I can recognize that it's okay to feel fear. And then that's the second component of self-soothing is just that you're just feeling it in your body such that you're saying the truth is that the fear is just energy and motion and it's going to move through me. And if you don't believe the story, then the research by Jill Bull Teller shows that if you move the emotion through you without ruminating in the story, then the emotion is only really intense for about 90 seconds. And then you can move through it faster as long as you're challenging the story. And so it's important to recognize that believing that you shouldn't feel fear saves your life because otherwise you would have died of thinking that your parents were incompetent, which is too scary to believe. Uh -huh. and so it's important to recognize that there's nothing wrong with you, that you have anxiety. The reason you have anxiety is just because you have all this trapped fear in your body that you didn't release and the healing is releasing it. And then asking yourself, okay, now that I've spent a few minutes releasing it, what do I need? And that's resourcing myself in the vision 
of the kind of relationship that I want and what skills do I need to have in order to demonstrate it so that I can just be modeling those skills in front of the guy. And then the right guy for me will show me that he wants that too and he has those skills too. That's vetting. It's not giving the guy the third degree <laughs> and being like, do you have integrity? Because if he doesn't, how is he going to answer that? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Everyone's going to say they're an honest person. They're straightforward. Everyone would describe themselves that way for the most part. Right? Exactly. So, right. Yeah. So it's like, how do you tell? And if you're like, oh, my intuition says that he's a liar or whatever. How do you tell if that's your intuition or if that's fear that people have lied to you in the past? So that's mm -hmm. my point. It's important to work through the past. Look at what red flags did you miss? What are you looking for? But then what skills do you need to have in order to model having integrity for myself to then see how he responds to that? So let's say I'm scared I'm going to get ghosted. Then what I would do is I would talk to the guy about the kind of relationship that I want in an inspired way. So that's the third component of self-soothing is saying, okay, what am I scared of happening I'm scared of him not communicating. What do I need to know that he's going to communicate his thoughts and feelings instead of ghosting me and he's going to be real with me? Okay, who do I need to be in order to discover that? I need to model that for him. Okay, great. So what would I model for him on date three, given that it's only date three and I'm not like modeling for him that I'm going to share my vision for the whole relationship because it's only date three, <laughs> right? But what am I going to share on a vulnerable level that's more positive like pleasant vulnerability and that's the skill here is the pleasant vulnerability not the unpleasant vulnerability that you're sad that he didn't call like that's the unpleasant vulnerability i'm talking about the pleasant vulnerability because it's vulnerable to admit that i want to be in a relationship where we talk on the phone every couple of days it is yeah i agree and what does that provide for me? You know, so it's like then what I would be saying is what's most important to you in a relationship that works for you, that makes you happy. But I wouldn't just ask him that because what proper vetting is, is it's first modeling the depth I wish I want him to answer. And in order to access my intuition for what questions I need to ask, first I need to access my intuition, which means that after I've moved the anxiety through me and I ask myself what I need, then I'm resourcing myself in the vision. Okay, let me visualize what it looks like and feels like to be having these two conversations. What would I say to him? I would say something I want, like I want to talk every couple of days with the right person. And what would I want to talk about? I want to talk to the guy that I'm dating about the positive moments of my day and share those positive discoveries that I've had. And what did I learn today? I want to talk to him about that every couple of days. That's really vulnerable to ask for. Okay, what do I need to believe in order to trust that he would have a good response when I ask that. Oh, well, I would need to believe that if he wants the same thing, he'll respond in kind. And if he doesn't respond in kind, that I've just dodged a bullet. Not that I said anything wrong. <gasps> oh, good. I do believe that. Okay, great. So now I can show up that way because I've worked through my limiting beliefs and I trust I can show up that way. So that's step three of self-soothing, which in my self-empathy practice has two steps. I mean, there's three components of self-soothing. My self-empathy practice, which I have in my free gift, has five steps that accomplish those three components. The three components, again, are challenging the story, feeling the feelings and moving them through me, and resourcing myself and how good it feels when I get my needs met and taking action from that good feeling. That's the third step. So that's step four and five of self-empathy is resourcing myself in the vision 
and then taking action from that good feeling place. So that's what I'm doing now. So I would then show up on the date and I would say something like, hey, you know, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. And so I'd like to know just in general, what are the things that you most enjoy doing with somebody that you're just getting to know? Like, for example, for me, I really enjoy talking on the phone every few days with someone I'm just getting to know about the kinds of questions like, what was my favorite part of the day? What did I enjoy the most? And how did that feel? And what am I proud of that I want to be acknowledged for today? And stuff like that, because I really value personal growth and that we're building this solid foundation of positivity together and that we're going deep, you know, we're not being superficial about it. So, I mean, you know, I don't know if we're ready for that, you know, because I know we're just dating, but what about you? Is that something that you like to do with somebody that you're getting to know? Love it. And that's going to be different for everyone. Everyone's going to have a different personal preference of how much they like to be in contact, what they like to share and talk about when they are in contact. So we'd encourage you to get in touch with what you would like, what would feel good to you specifically, right? Exactly. And so how that relates to my intuition is how did I know that that was the right question for me? Is that when I resourced myself in the vision of what I want, which for me is having those conversations every few days, because that, that was what I asked my husband, David, when we first mm -hmm. met. Mm -hmm. And actually his response was like, I love that, but I'm not ready for that yet because we just met. I'll let you know when I am ready for that. And I had to challenge my limiting beliefs that maybe he was rejecting me. Mm -hmm. right? So it's about resourcing myself in the positive vision of what I want and then imagining myself asking that or saying that. And if it feels good and right, then my intuition says that that's the question to ask. If it feels wrong, if it feels not right. And I kind of look at that as when something feels right, it feels not pleasant or unpleasant, but right in the way that, let's say I were to ask you, Helena, is your name Helena? Mm -hmm. Like, it feels right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you can say two plus two equals four and just like check that feeling of rightness inside of you. Mm. You know, it's like, for me, I feel like there's no energy block. It's just this energy flowing up and down me. It's not blocked. You know, there's this sort of expansive feeling inside of me. But if I say two plus two equals five, something feels off, right? Like, it's like, it feels like disjointed inside of me. It's almost like I'm seeing the image of two puzzle pieces and they don't fit. Mm -hmm. And I like feel that in my solar plexus. It's like this kind of uneasy feeling. And so I would have to ask myself, is that my intuition or a limiting belief? Right. And so then I would ask myself, okay, do I feel like I deserve a guy who's going to ask these two questions? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, then it's a limiting belief to work through. So then I would work through it using the questions I have in chapter seven of my book, the commitment roadmap. And of course, I'm happy to give those in this interview, but I know I've already given a lot. So I have a whole process that I use to work through those old limiting beliefs. But in essence, it comes down to asking what do I make that mean about me? And where did I learn that? And what was actually going on at that time? What's the truth? And then dialoguing with my inner child about the truth until she believes it. And I have a guided process to do that in my book. And then once I believe that finding evidence, I like to find three pieces of evidence that the new belief is true. And then it's solidified by taking action out of it. But anyway, if I do work through my limiting belief that I don't deserve it, 
And then I feel, yes, I do deserve it, but something still feels off about it. Then I ask myself, what feels off? Is it the wrong question or is it the right question, but something else feels off? And so I'm asking myself those questions and I'm looking for that feeling of rightness inside. And when I was first learning to access my intuition, I did keep on asking myself, okay, two plus two equals four, two plus two equals five, or my name is Valerie versus my name is Katie, whatever it is. I would look for the difference of how it felt inside myself and I would keep checking. Because that's what it feels like when you have a right feeling, when you have the right intuition. It feels right. That's what your intuition is supposed to feel like. So if you don't feel that way, there's either a limiting belief or an unmet need, or you just have too much anxiety running through your body that's in the way. So that's why the self-soothing process has those three components of challenging the story, moving the feeling through you, and then resourcing yourself with the positive feelings that you have in your need or your vision is met. And then working through your limiting beliefs that you deserve that or that it's possible. <laughs> then and only then will you actually feel, oh, that's the right question to ask because it feels right when I imagine asking it. Got it. This is such deep inner work. That's why I love talking with you, Valerie. You don't say things like, well, just trust yourself. And you may be feeling a little anxious, but just trust what your brain is saying. <laughs> you uh, oh, my God. I mean, totally. Because right. you know, truth be told, it's like that was my wounding. Mm -hmm. my parents were very, very loving and I'm not going to say anything bad about them because they did their best, but they didn't ask me deep enough questions. If I was just like, mom, I'm feeling scared. She was like, well, don't feel scared. Here's why you shouldn't. Or if I was like, mom, I don't know what to say. She's like, oh, just trust yourself. Just be yourself and then it'll all work out. And obviously she was doing her best. She did everything she possibly could. I love my mom to pieces. She's a wonderful woman. And she didn't do anything wrong. And I'm really grateful. But she just did to me what her mom did to her. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't feel her feelings either. Because what happens when a child is told that is they repress their emotions. They tell themselves, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. How do we repress our emotions? By creating tension in our body. And that's what creates an anxious attachment style is that then I act out of that anxiety. And when I act out of that anxiety and mom, I'm feeling anxious. Then she comes to me, she approaches me, she tries to help, but it doesn't actually help. It doesn't actually soothe me because it's all intellectual. And then I never actually feel soothed. <laughs> so then I'm just always feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't actually get the soothing I needed. So I just have all this tension in my body and I didn't feel my intuition either when I was an adult until I learned how to self-soothe, which took years of practice myself. So that's why I do this work because I will tell you, I still work through it myself. I still feel anxious often with my husband, but the beautiful thing is that when I do this work and I self-soothe and I approach him with the beauty of the desire being met and like, hey, here's what's important to me. You know, I trust you that you're gonna pick the right Airbnb for us. And I know you already know that it needs to have air conditioning and be quiet and have a comfortable bed. And I'm so grateful that you already know that and that you're willing to do the work to make it happen. You know, cause I don't have time this week. I'm, I'm just beyond grateful that you're already doing it. Thank you so much. You know, then we're not going to argue. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think so many people can relate to that and relate to what you shared about your parents too. I think that's most of us probably yeah. not through any fault of our parents, but that's just sort of 
what they experienced or what's been taught down from generation to generation. And I could just talk to you forever about all of this, Valerie. I know we're already over on time, which we <laughs> tend to do. I'd love to bring you back on again. But is there anything else you want to say about this topic or your free gift or your book or your free breakthrough session that I know you offer from time to time? I'd love to hear about anything else you'd like to share about this topic. Yes, thank you. You know, I just feel so passionate about this work because as I said, it's my own wound, my own healing that then helps others. And so I just want to repeat that insecure attachment, in my opinion, is a skill set. Healing insecure attachment. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're doomed and there's nothing wrong with having anxiety. And in fact, people with a secure attachment style have anxiety. The difference is that they have the skills of self-soothing and then being able to trust that when they communicate their feelings to the other person, that the other person cares. And so then that's just a belief system and it's a skill set. And I've dedicated my own life to going really deep because I found that a lot of coaching paradigms are just about doing the cognitive work of challenging your limiting beliefs. And we also need the somatic healing work, which is why I've studied a lot of somatic healing modalities to do both because I feel like healing anxious attachment is a combination of being able to challenge our limiting beliefs, but then also knowing the skills of self-soothing. Because if our parents had a secure attachment style and gave us the right soothing, we wouldn't have anxious attachment. So it's just that they didn't have the skills to teach us. And there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with us. It's just skills we can learn. And that's why it's my passion to teach these skills. And so there's many ways to learn them. And if you want to download my free gift, which is about how to break free from old patterns to attract healthy love, that I know that Helena will give the link to that, then it's two chapters out of my longer book, The Commitment Roadmap. And it's the two chapters about how to discover what needs didn't get met in childhood and then how to meet those needs yourself in adulthood and how to self-soothe with those three components. And my five steps of self-empathy that I took from the nonviolent communication practice of self-empathy, but I made it deeper. And those are the steps that you would need to have to self-soothe so you access your intuition so that you can then access that feeling of rightness inside yourself to trust your decisions in dating. So I'm honored to give that as a free gift. And then I also have that additional chapter about how to challenge your limiting beliefs on a deeper level in my longer book, The Commitment Roadmap. So, you know, I want to be able to support people with these skills as much as they need it because I really studied, if you look on my about page, I've done, oh, I don't even know, countless trainings in order to learn all these skills. So I wanted to shorten the learning curve for you. That's why I do this. Absolutely. And I know you occasionally offer a free breakthrough session for women in my community. I know there's about a month or so long waiting list, but I'll include a link to that as well. And also I'll include a link to the videos we talked about in this interview. I believe there was about three of them. <laughs> I know it can get confusing all these different episodes and interviews we've done over the years because you're just a wealth of knowledge. Like you said, you've been trained in just about everything. And so I'll include information if anyone is interested in working with you and getting some private coaching. This was amazing, Valerie. I'd love to bring you back on again soon. Thank you so much for all the knowledge and wisdom you shared today. I thought this was great. Of course. And I mean, of course, about coming back and, <laughs> and I'm humble about all the knowledge I shared, you know, because as I said, I'm still always learning and growing myself. And if I can 
help women to soothe their own anxiety so that they can access their own intuition, then that's just proof that my healing my own wounds can, you know, be transformed to helping other people heal. And that's what makes me feel the most fulfilled in life. I love it. That is so powerful. And thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you're following my podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. I have new episodes coming out every week, so you don't want to miss any of those. Valerie, thank you so much again. I hope we can do this again soon. This was fantastic. Always love having you on. Yay. Always a pleasure. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Bye. The biggest mistake women make when a man is hot and cold, acting distant, or pulling away is something called a connection barrier, and it only pushes him further away. If you'd like to read about what a connection barrier is so you don't accidentally make it, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.